Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Violet Juno is our guest this week. Greetings, Violet. Hello, hello. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. Uh, I run the Exoskeleton Art Space in Los Angeles, and I'm an experienced director at an interactive agency here in Los Angeles. I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist and educator and uh, digital fabrication evangelist and noted tall person based out of Chicago, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. I'm Violet Juno, and I'm a performancer based in Oakland, and um, I'm transdisciplinary, which means I just sort of throw everything into the performance, including, oh, uh, storytelling, movement, sound, live video, live visual art making, and um, I really like the idea of this podcast because it sounded fun, hard, and kind of... Uh-huh. kind of hard fun and i like stuff like that i i tend to think when i'm making work how hard can i make this because <laughs> that that would make it more interesting right so so this right. this podcast was really simpatico with kind of how i how i think and um and i am a, a i use they them pronouns and but mostly just prefer my name and, and Violet, real quick, I want to ask the the nerd in me wants to pronounce it. Wait, wait, did you say preformancer? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like that's to me that's sort of straight through to Snow Crash and uh, and sort of like uh, new media science fiction and so forth. Is that your angle, or is is there? A, are you taking a different approach to that? I unusual freight I I love that that reading of it you know because I do I'm a snow crash fan and um super sci-fi geek going way back um yeah uh for me performancer means a couple things one is that um that it's somebody who's really engaged in the act of performing engaged with it in performance so it's a performancer somebody who is in there and doing the work and then also performancer as using the mancy as um, getting at the magic of performance not all performance creates magic but some of it really can in that sense of creating a vision of what could be to the point with other people that you actually do create a new reality. And so that it's not, so to me, it, it's not just performance art. It, you know, it's, it's a, it's a magical art form of itself. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, um, I think can be such a slippery territory and, you know, one of the easy ways to, throw stones at performance artists. It can be anything you want it to be, but that's a really nice way of starting to focus it right off the top. I'm curious about the the, the difficulty component um, mm-hmm. because I feel like I myself am inclined to do that as well, but I've never thought about it or really sort of articulated it in a, in a out loud, I guess. Um, and that, like, I often try to take on something new almost all the time, um, which is sort of antithetical to 
um, what someone might call craft or something like that, where, or, um, what's the right word? Or a sort of expertise, right? Where um, someone who is a master painter or a um, uh, sculptor or something, someone who, uh, a sort of tradition artist in the kind of traditional sense of the word, might be someone who's seen as like someone who just does the one thing like to perfection or to the sort of ultimate um, uh, efficacy or uh, like to achieve artistry is to exceed, you know, craft in this way of like, just like excelling beyond the boundaries of, of um, what most people would consider a sort of expert level or something. And I was curious, but, but I think many new media art practices or many people who sort of make art now don't think of art making in that way. Um, and I was just curious uh, how you think about um, difficulty in your, in your art making. Well, I think that's a, that's something I've been thinking a lot about because it's something I recently realized about myself. And I, I mean, I sort of always envisioned the reason that I was transdisciplinary was because English is actually the sixth or seventh language in my family discourse of languages learned and lost. And, and that, that sort of being at this intersection of these, all these languages is partly why I started out as a sculptor and also have a drawing and painting practice and performance and put it all together with video and sound and movement, you know, sort of like, uh, I, th- I thought I originally, I thought each of them were different languages. And so it was my way of trying to, trying to embody and express being all of it at once or something. Um, but recently I, I've, and I think maybe there's some aspect to that in terms of not feeling like I need to be limited to one artistic language. I, I've right. just never felt like that made sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also I think in the realm of performance, it's for, you know, four dimensional in the sense that, uh, you can actually involve all of these aspects. Um, and, uh, why not, you know, and in mm-hmm. the sense that, but I read an article last year about um, this program uh, that in Iceland, actually, looking at how they had a big drug problem at the, in the teenage years. And they did all kinds of things. But one of the things they did was create this program where kids could do whatever they wanted after school and they could self-select. And what they found and they encouraged them to choose things that match their personality. So if they were, uh, say, drinking t- or doing drugs in order to get a risk-taking high or to calm themselves and self-medicate, then they would uh, naturally gravitate to to karate versus um, yoga and meditation or something like that. And um, and so they were really talking about sort of what what your brain likes. And I realized, huh. oh my, oh my yeah. gosh, I am a serious risk taker, but I'm also disabled and I can't, I can't do karate. I can't surf. I can't do ice rock climbing and, you know, things that people talk about. Like I can't do any of those things. I, I can't even do yoga without injuring myself. So, so, uh, I realized I have always used the art practice as a way to get my risk taking. Ooh, so that so this totally um, 
plugs into my question for you because I was looking through your uh, statements and you were talking about chronic pain and you just alluded to something similar through disability. So, so I take so you two know each other already, yeah. right, Rob and yeah. Violet? Yeah. Um, and so, so I imagine you also know Rob's partner Jen. But, but I was visiting with Rob and talking to Rob and Jen, and at some point we were talking about chronic injuries. And so, so Violet, I mean, th- th- this may not be, you know, the same vein as the type of um, disability that you're talking about, but Rob and I both have um, self-collected uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> chronic, yep. chronic pain and ongoing injuries. And we were talking to Jen, and it turns out that Jen wakes up every morning feeling just completely fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> like her, her, body, her body feels fine every morning. And, and both Rob and I thought that was such a curious thing. Um, because I think Rob, for you, is largely skateboarding yep, injuries, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, as a really tall person that uh, just you know got into, I used to have really physical work, and so I collected back and wrist injuries and all these things. And yeah, and, and now that you know I'm getting a little bit older, I'm realizing, oh, you know, these these sensations, like this is the best I'll ever feel. Um, while and. And so I was describing it to my wife the other day. I said, it's like, you know, Matthew Barney comes at these things from this perspective of limitations that he's continuously exceeding, you know, because he had like, what was the thing? Like he had to turn down a modeling scholarship in order to take a football scholarship to Yale or whatever. <laughs> right, or, right. Yeah. Oh, I, a modeling scholarship. I mean, a modeling career. But um, yeah, so, so I, I feel like for me, I kind of come at it in the reverse where it's like, you know, how can I cobble together <laughs> the things that my body's willing to participate on that particular day but i'm really i'm really curious to hear you talk a little bit more if indeed that's um sort of a public facing discussion you're interested in having about how disability and and chronic pain and so forth figure into your perspective yeah no it it is it's it's absolutely core actually it's why i started making Mm -hmm. artwork you know when i was i got um sick, young, uh, around 11, 13, and wasn't diagnosed till I was 17. And on the way to be diagnosed with a muscle disease, I was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And they said, you know, you're going to be dead by 21. And I said, I'm going to art school. <laughs> I was 17. And uh, it turned out to be the smartest thing I ever did, because I didn't die at 21. But I do have a, a chronic pain uh, situation that they haven't they haven't resolved yet. Uh, they've been, and uh, it's 24 hours a day, pretty much head to toe. And it is, and then at this time, this was before ADA. This was before any understanding of chronic pain as a as a medical field, uh, before an understanding of what it was, what it could do to your brain, um, what it could do your, you know, mental health, your relationships, everything. And I hadn't even you know, tried to go into the workplace yet, you know, and I was trying to figure out how to deal with that. And um, making art uh, was the most powerful thing that I had, because basically my feeling is if I, if every day brings me pain, then basically I'm saying to the world, you know, what else you got? You know, what you got for me? Ante up, because I'm paying and I know exactly what I'm paying every single day. And at the end of the day, I, I want to know that I did something with this time, you know, and, uh, and there's nothing better than looking at something and said, I made that, you know, that's, that's a handprint on the wall. To me, it goes all the way back to the cave paintings. This is, we're makers. We want to make, we, we want to envision what could be. And 
So it's definitely, initially I thought it was just what was keeping me sane, you know, uh, because how, how do you deal with your brain processing that many pain signals simultaneously with no respite, um, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, year after year? You, you know, how, how do you do that? And I, but what I realized in the last few years, in the last 10 years, there's just been tons of stuff coming out on the new brain research, the new science on neuroplasticity. And I actually think that I've been changing my brain all these years by making art. It hasn't reduced the pain, but it is, I've been able to do things and be productive at a level that ordinarily it's, it's hard to explain. And I think it really has to do with, uh, with the intersection between that creative process and what our brains really want to do is our brains actually do want risk. We're wired for risk. We're wired for new. We're wired for novel. We're wired for uh, new physical, tactile experiences. And art is all of that, all at the same time. That's cool. Yeah, Whoa. that's cool. Yeah, man, I'm going to be thinking about that real hard tomorrow when I'm taking a, a break or wanting to take a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Rep, that seems like a great. Uh, I, I, it gets me really excited to see what you guys made. But do you, is there anything else you want to cover before we hit the? Uh, no, let's do it. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so let me let me unveil some stuff, and we'll we'll take a look at it. Um, So you guys have a little zip folder, but before you take a good look at it, I want to show you a uh, website, and then maybe you can describe the contents of the site to the audience, and then we can take a look at those images. Cool. So here you go. Okay. Oh, <laughs> the URL is already intriguing. So the website that Taylor sent to us is the anti-defamation league's hate symbols database <laughs> um it's slightly funny because it says hate on display <laughs> trademark okay so so this is a whole it's a database of images and yeah. or, and or text with description of of an, of a great number of hate symbols that are particularly um, racist, you know, having to do with race. Yeah, and they're um, there's a lot of there's a lot of numbers. Like a lot I did of not, numbers. I did yeah. not realize that that so yeah. many numbers have this significance. There's more pages of this, so the as as we go through, it be, it does become more more graphic symbols. Um, there's a total of 178 in this database. Like on the next page, it's all graphic symbols. Except oh, for... I haven't gone to the next page. Oh, let me yeah, yeah. Oh, there's more. Um, uh, let me tell you guys, the first couple days of research on this, I just went down the rabbit hole, and it just it was not a good place. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm having, a, I'm definitely yeah having that overwhelm. I did not. It's. It's uh the symbology is really really intense and and mm -hmm. diverse, like much more than I 
I had any any conception of. Did you guys get down to yet where um, apparently Coors is a, a race <laughs> can be construed as a racist Whoa. acronym I just got for there. comrades of our racial struggle? Yeah. Yeah. So so once you guys have checked that out, so take a look at the uh, the images that I sent, and then see what you can piece together about the process, and then um, I'll fill in the uh, the gaps after you guys have cool described those images. If you want, Violet, I can. I'll do. I'll take the first three, and do you want to do the last four? Sure. Cool. So the first one is first one is uh, what looks to be a glitched image of an American flag. Uh, and when I say glitched, um, I'm using this sort of art term, and also I guess the computer term where the file has been corrupted in a certain way to give it um, a sort of busted aesthetic kind of appearance um, that usually sort of uh, means the file is corrupted or something, but it's been sort of co-opted by artists uh, as a way to kind of um, uh, deface or aestheticize uh, like digital failure. Uh, so that's So the first one is a flag and it's like very uh um kind of ripped like the image is sort of torn in half digitally and um has also some like color artifacting and stuff and then the second image is looks to be a glitching tool where it takes like the hex it's looking at the hex values that are that make up the gif and so it's just like a big long chunk of numbers and then the you see how in the header it says netscape 2.0. yeah i saw that i was like wow it says netscape 2.0 in there that's really weird you can see it yeah, yeah in the sort of decoded hex like different values one of them is netscape 2.0 which is pretty awesome and, and and rob would you mind describing for our audience of course everyone knows what hex is but just in case yeah hexadecimal is um i'll link to like a good description in show notes um is uh uh i guess like a number system where which is uh base 16 so it uses 16 symbols um 0 through 9 and then a through f uh mm -hmm. to give you essentially i guess uh 16 total uh characters that you can use uh in combination so the third one looks to be <laughs> uh <laughs> Like a really weird scramble of numbers and letters and like high ASCII characters, like A's with umlauts over them and stuff like that. And then there's just one word in there that says Peckerwood, <laughs> which I don't know what that means. And then there's, and then there's a, a, the flag is like definitely like very digitally shredded and, um, but still has like enough characteristics of the flag that you could see. If you ask anybody what the image was, they'd be like, that's the American flag, but there's something wrong with it. Um, so that's the first three images. Okay, and then the the fourth image is is similar to that flag in the third image, except that it doesn't have any of the text in the yep. gobbledygook. It has, um, and it also has 
So it's the American flag with a, like a ghost image and, and the sort of like wavy, wavy distortion and glitch lines and yellow. This is, I think the first time yep. yellow has shown up prominently and, um, and you, yep. and it's broken up. It's, you know, you can see the top of the flag pole but it's actually broken apart from the ghost image that's sort of this turquoise blue. And um, and again, yes, if anybody looked at this image, they'd know it was the American flag. And it looks like, like the CMYK values are yes, yes. have been screwed with or something. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And then the fifth image is um, red, white, and blue. None of the other uh, color color hues and it's the flag is sort of spliced in half and then cut back together so the end of the flag you read first on the left and then yeah. the left side of the flag is on the right and and then the top of it is sort of sliced up uh, into a bunch of stripes that are sort of misaligned yeah like be just static or something almost yeah exactly and then the next image is is similar and yet different and very much like that VHS because it ha now it has sort of like a color blocks and lines and um, uh, what is what is that screen the color coding um, like miniature little color code blocks. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally, yeah, yeah. You're looking at, uh, I think the image is, is at five underscore 100%. Yes. Yep. Yeah, me too. Okay, cool. So, so Rev, you, you alluded to the title. Can you guys make any, uh, make any connections regarding the titles and what might be going on there? Oh. Oh, I see. One of the titles is four underscore A-C-A-B dot GIF. Yeah, do you know do you know what that one is? <laughs> it's probably based on like that weird database. It's probably some like clan thing. <laughs> Let's see. That that actually might be something that you might have seen in the punk community rep. So so some of the things that they have on there, they say, well, in the skinhead community it means this, but it's also found in lots of other communities. Right. So A C A B means all cops are bastards. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Apparently that that one they do say can be found in non- non-hate communities so the so in this project i wanted to kind of get into glitching stuff out because i was thinking about all of the recent um like the way that uh, uh hate groups and white supremacy are being normalized in the united yeah. states and abroad uh but but you know here is the really the big shocker to me so i went onto this hate database and was interested in how because um, i I often wind up feeling a little bit flat about glitch art because I think that it's often just, you know, sort of noodling until you get something that's aesthetically pleasing. And, um, and you know, I did that too. But in this case, I was interested in how so much of white supremacy seemed to be represented by numerical yeah. values and how, how that had a really technical tie-in. And the cool thing about the numerical values is that for the most part, they fall within the hexadecimal spectrum. So wow. if you look on the hate symbol database, like all cops are bastards, ACAB is still is still a valid hex totally. value. Yep. Um, so the which image is it? The second one, which is one underscore hex fiend, 
I, I wound up downloading a bunch of different utilities to experiment with. The, the first one actually, zero underscore audacity, that, that image was produced with audacity, which is the same, um, the same audio recorder that Rob and I used to produce this podcast. And so in that case, it was pulling the image, pretending like the image was an audio file and pulling it into audacity as a raw data and then laying reverb and all sorts of stuff on it and then exporting it back out and it winds up having, looking like a glitch image. Um, although in that case, you know, I'm just doing random shit just to see what it looks like, right? So, so that one would be an example to me of the sort of largely aestheticized but relatively flat um, glitch outputs. So with HexFiend, you can view all of the data that make up a file in a hexadecimal format and then you can just kind of roll through it at random because there's, you know, thousands and thousands of entries. And so you kind of roll through it at random and then just replace different uh, data with ACAB, for example. So if you take a look at um, for, uh, which one? Like a four underscore ACAB dot GIF. There's this, uh, you know, distorted animated GIF that's looping over and over again. And that's just replacing, I think I replaced like a uh, hundred entries or something with all cops or bastards of the acronym just to see what it would do to the American yeah. flag. Um, that I found to be a really challenging uh -huh. process because uh, maybe 95 out of a hundred times you would just break the image and it would stop working. So you just had to sit there all day and <laughs> replace something and save it and preview it and then undo it. And, and so I could only manage like two glitches on that image, even though I worked on it for, you know, like an hour or something. Uh, there's also a utility called image glitch, which is really cool because it'll give you a live window of the image you're working on. So as you're changing stuff, you can see it change with it before you save it. Um, so this made it a lot more um, easy to try stuff and break something and back it up without having as much um, you know, work on the ground. This is a 99 cent app that you can get on the App Store. Um, Peckerwood is... <laughs> We'll have to look in the database, but Peckerwood is some kind of thing that, you know, white nationalists think is cool or whatever. And so, so this was a, a funny one because I just picked a random spot and just wrote oh, Peckerwood and the flag just completely exploded, you know? <laughs> oh, what do they say about Peckerwood? <laughs> this, this, like this is like the thing about symbology is it's so weird. Um yeah, for sure. Okay, so it's in here three times. <laughs> Let me see if I'm going to the next page. Okay, just three. It's it's uh it's right before uh peni. <laughs> and it comes after Othalarune oh, is the one before it, but Peckerwood shows up three times. There's Peckerwood, Peckerwood hand sign, and Peckerwood Midwest. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm trying to find the most interesting one. Okay. Oh, yeah. Pickerwood hand sign is the best. So you make like a weird P with one hand and a W with the other. And wow, this is so weird. Prisons are so weird in general. The term Peckerwood originated as a racial epithet directed at whites. Today, it has been adopted by the white supremacist prison gang subculture especially in southern and western states, to refer to itself. The hand sign for Peckerwood consists of forming the thumb, index finger, and middle finger of one hand to form the letter P and the four fingers of the other hand to form the letter W. 
So it's one of those like fake news things where like someone came up with the term and then the other side is now using it as this like redirection to like to yeah. like, subvert the name, the original intent of the of the word and throw it back at the other person. Speaking of that, when I brought this image up um, in image glitch, I didn't get a, a screen cap of this, but if you go all the way down to the bottom, the footer of the image just says Pepe. Over oh my God. <laughs> but man, I just sunk days into sitting in the coffee shop <laughs> and trying not to let people see me download pictures of swastikas yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like trying to get this thing to work. And eventually today, so today I finally closed my computer at noon and I went outside and I just built this um, miter saw table out of two by fours and shitty plywood. It was like, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Often I'm faced with a project that just, just nosedives hard, but this one's cool. Like it's cool. Like I like that it's, um, I like that it takes this sort of, uh, it sort of uses like language as a pollution or something, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that if I understand correctly, that just adding that one word to to underscore image glitch, just adding that one word altered the image in that way. Is uh-huh. that correct? Yep, yep. It was just the same. So word. like just this this uh rogue insertion, you know, of this one idea, this one word. Is that that's just interesting in and of itself and like what it yeah. did. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks. Thanks for the read, yeah, guys. Cool. That's me. Yeah, Violet. Can we uh, take a look at your zip file? Yeah, here? open it up. This is where you do the the music in the podcast. This is the part. It is. It is <laughs> right now. Is that moment? Okay, you ready? Three, two, one. Go. Play it. Oh, uh, we're looking at a horizon, a seascape yep. with violet and in it. A figure, I think, traveling away. Oh, Ooh. whoa, whoa! I just sat at my computer. It is super man. windy on the beach, <laughs> and I believe that's violet raising a really huge flag. A giant flag. Ha- that thing's got to be like. 20 feet yeah. long. Yeah, amazing. At least. Thir- 33 and it has, feet. Wow. Uh, 33, let's credit where credit's due. <laughs> so there's actually like three yep. flags. There's a giant yellow one. There's a blue one that's about half as long. And then there's a tiny wee. Oh, no, there's two of them. There's two kind of little streamers yep. in addition yep. to that. So it's like a little streamer and then a very long, that's the 33 feet one, foot one. And then another little streamer and then... Another sort of more solid but transparent, solid color, but it's um, seemingly silk or satin or something that seems looks pretty transparent. Now the flag is coming down. So the the primary flag, the yellow one, had a couple of quasi recognizable uh, graphics on it. But let's let's wait till the end of the video before we. Okay, I thought we were about to. Just ended for me. Get more. So I'm going to go right to the middle, and I can see that there's four major zones on this flag. For some reason to me, it seems logical to start from the pole, mm-hmm. even though the pole is at the right-hand side mm-hmm. of the image. Rob, do you yeah. agree? 
So I'm going to say this one is uh, a humanoid figure in uh, where each limb, except for the left arm, maybe, is, uh, is, is changing into some kind of inhuman aspect. So the right arm is maybe a wing, and the left leg is perhaps a fishtail or a crab yep. claw. And, and then there's also a, a leg that's looking sort of... Um, stump-like mm-hmm. um so that although the figure doesn't appear to be uncomfortable or anything so that so they I, I have to think about what this yeah like a flipper or a mean. fin rub, rub, oh you, you mean the, the stump yeah that's thing. what came to mind for me at yeah. first mm-hmm. at first i thought it was like a like a Maybe. fin like a dolphin fin sure you're taylor you're looking at the video or the images i am should we switch over to the? I, I need to download those. Oh, images cool! As yeah, well. Violet. Should we switch over to the images, or would you like us sure. to keep going? Sure, okay. that's fine. Yeah. So the first image that I see is the drawing of the first panel that Taylor described. Oh, there's some cool stuff in here. So it's enormous. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's really cool. There is. Ah, uh, see that reveals some more detail. That first panel. Yeah. There's some cool kind of green-looking tones uh, in some of the detail. And there is a hand. So one of the arms, I, I think of them as arms, is a wing. <laughs> and then the other, or maybe it's not an arm, it's just a wing. And then the other, on the other side of that is um, an arm. And it looks like the arm is holding maybe a wound closed or mm-hmm. something like there's a red dot that the hand of the arm is over on the body. And so it looks like it's sort of holding its own blood in, which is really intriguing. And yet the facial expression is placid. yeah, quite serene. Yeah. Yep. So in the second image, there's a face. Uh, the face is characterized by eyes and a mouth, although there's no nose. Yep. There also appears to be a pair of lines that kind of like a, uh, you know, like a, cartoonish burglar's yep. mask and then the hand what i assume is the hand either has extra fingers or is also in the process of transforming yeah right yeah there's sort of you could think of it as either four digits of which some of them have kind of um are kind of bisected or you could think of it as one two three four five six digits um as well sort of and one has a sort of thumb like hook to it on the end or maybe it's just a pinky that's um hanging out with it in a, in a way that's that's in, not not uh uh it looks sort of crooked i guess is the word and there's also a red spot between two of the fingers mm-hmm. although it's interesting right because it doesn't they don't appear to be violent nope isn't that the whole thing right like if you know if a kid draws a head that's got a line separating it from the body, does it appear to be, you know, an active wound, oh, or is it huh. just a, um, a sort of visual division? Uh-huh. But I, again, the face is not in any discomfort nope. or anything. And then the th- Rob, why don't you start on the third? Yeah, the third image is a human-like form, um, sort of on its knees and elbows, if you want to call it that. I, um, it's sort of. Yeah, so it's sort of like if you were to um, sit on the floor, 
on your legs and then sort of bend over. Yeah, and almost in a sort of praying position, maybe would be a way to put that. Um, And then there are really amazing, almost like agave um, Mm. plant um, armatures coming out of the sort of torso of the body in a almost wing-like fashion or something like that. I'd say more like spines, Spine. like a stegosaurus. Stegosaurus, yeah, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also characterized by green and red. Uh, the yep. green being over the, the tips of the fins or spikes or whatever you'd call them, which give that plant-like impression, but then... They're primarily red as they're erupting from or exuding yeah. from the torso of the yep. figure, um, which recalls the blood color. And again, the um, the figure is unperturbed by this. Yeah, the red almost thing. looks like they're fresh or something as opposed to bloody, yeah. which is nice. Um, and then the next image is another humanoid figure that is very abstracted below the neck sort of floating, floating away. yeah right yep um again also some raw or recent um you know chunks taken out of the body and it's it's hard not to just go straight to what violet was talking about with a lifelong or effectively lifelong relationship with pain and the frailties of the body and coming to terms with that in such a way that's you know creative as opposed to destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next two pictures are of indeed Violet holding up the flag. Violet, how'd we do? You you did yeah. awesome. This is really really interesting to hear you describe this. It's just fascinating. Kind of like beautifully excruciating. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Just, I, you know, when you make artwork, you're inside of it, especially when you, when you perform. And uh, I almost wasn't going to send the images from the studio of the flag itself. I was just, Mm. and then I'm, I'm really glad I did. Although it, it, it felt like a lot to describe. Um, but to hear you go through the images and the words you used and uh, and the interplay between the two of you, sort of, is it this, is it that? Uh, that was just, I love that. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to do with you. Yeah. But did, did we arrive at your what you were hoping to communicate, or is that does that defeat the purpose to answer it that explicitly? Yeah, I'm curious the interplay between them two. Yeah, no, you did get it and I like um uh that that experience of sort of hearing new words for things I was thinking about you know sort of that mm-hmm. unarticulated aspect you know we only know so much as we make the artwork you know and mm-hmm. I, and we have these ideas and then things things happen and go in different directions um, but the word transformation, when you said that, I thought that was very interesting. And also the the relationship between 
is this is this harm that has come to this body and yet mm-hmm. look at the face no the face says that is serene you know so there's this this mm-hmm. dichotomy or this dynamic tension between those two um is really interesting uh i thought this project was was super interesting because it 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 felt very literal initially in terms of like, make a flag. Yes, I can yep. do that. I will yep. go make a flag. <laughs> I will make a big flag. And then, you know, becoming really involved with uh, where can I fly this flag and where has the most wind? And uh, uh, usually we look for to go to the beach for a low wind scenario. So, you know, so I was I was all involved with these very physical aspects of it. And even trying to resist it becoming a science experiment, you know, like mm-hmm. 33 at a certain point, 33 feet wasn't enough. Like I could really fly a 33 foot flag. I was like, OK, so maybe we need more fabric. And like how how long is too long a flag for 16 miles per hour wind, 20 feet aloft <laughs> to hold up? You know, it was like, no, pilot, do not go there, please. You know, don't go there. But that persuasiveness of, of that physical endeavor. Um, and then this whole part of like, yeah, you have the flag, but what are you going to put on it? And what's, what's important, what's important enough, what feels right. Um, Mm -hmm. and what I ended up choosing were this, these four images from my sketchbooks dating back, uh, spanning from this year back to seven years ago of these, these creature images that I've made. And, um, looking at uh, sort of a non-binary, non-dualistic way of looking at uh, the human body experience um, as a as a creature, and that's 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 an I that's something that I identify with. And but then taking these very small images from my check, sketchbook. Um, that were, you know, anywhere from three to five inches to, you know, five to eight images, and then blowing them up to five by 10 feet. And my question was, you know, what would happen to them? Like, would it work? What would happen when you scale them up like this? So are these, these are drawings from, that you have made before, and then you decided to put them together in the banner? Are these new drawings? These are drawings I've made before. Okay. Um, except for the face, the face drawing was kind of was was somewhat was somewhat a new new version. Um, they're they're all changed from what the sketchbook uh, drawings were. And that oh, okay. first that first image, I mean, just because of changing with the scale, the first image was actually a watercolor, um, and. And part of my question was, was could I take this drawing, the sketchbook drawing and and in some cases watercolor aspect of a sketchbook that's this really intimate drawing and and keep some aspect of that uh on this much larger scale. Yeah. And I used I used these two inch wide um markers. They're yeah. made by uh Montana and you can get them empty and you can custom mix colors. Ooh, um that's awesome. Yeah, so you yeah, I use high high flow liquid acrylic. So the red and the green are custom mixed and the black is just black. But with these markers on this, this is a synthetic silk. Um I was amazed. I was I was stunned at 
what kind of responsiveness I could get with with drawing with these markers on the silk. It had the same uh, tactile, sensual experience of drawing on paper. It may be even more. I mean, it mm -hmm. was just, it was, I was really blown away. And working on the scale, it was, it was quite, um, quite an experience. The yellow cloth, I'd actually taken all that yardage, 33 feet, and cut it into four pieces, and I laid it on the floor to create very large question mark and a very large exclamation point on the stage while I was telling another story. And so I do use fabric in different ways. I also sew a lot of costumes. So the costume I was wearing um, is a costume from yet another performance. But I sewed those sleeves specifically for this performance. And oh, I sewed, cool. I sewed these chimes. So I don't know if you had the yep. sound on during your I video. I can totally hear it. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted that idea that my... I also physically, my body was interacting with the wind. And I liked that on the video, you could hear the wind, you could see the wind and you in the flag and what it was doing. And you could also hear it through the chimes. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like a dozen, just to describe for folks, there's like a maybe a dozen, um, eight or nine inch long wind chimes hanging from each of your arms. Is that the way to describe it? Yeah. Cool. Um, should I dive in? I think so, yes. my man. Let's do. Let's see the third right. project. Uh, so, Rob, did you grow a beard? No, I wish I I could. Oh, the dude in image two looks like you in about four yes. years. <laughs> that is um that's Jen's dad. <laughs> you might describe what he's looking at. Oh, you want to describe yeah. that? Uh so J Jen's dad, presumably he doesn't peroxide his hair he's like not, Rob no. still does. Uh Rob, are you mousy brown or something? What's your real Yeah, yeah, mousy brown, kind of the dishwater blonde in there. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, so so future Rob slash Jen's dad is looking at a laptop with a, a series of images of graphical flags, although I can't tell if they're real flags or if they're just um, sort of flag-ish. Flag yep, yep. Um, so he's looking at, I'll start with him. He's looking at um, a grid of 12 flags, and I decided I would I would make a flag. I took... Arturo Romo, our guest last episode, uh, quite literally. And I was like, okay, I'll make a flag. And um, Violet, you may have run into this as well, but you sort of think like, okay, make a flag. Got it. And then you're like, what do I make? <laughs> yes. And uh, that took quite some time. Uh, and as Taylor and I have discussed before, that time is precious and it moves quickly. <laughs> so in like a week's time, I had gotten no traction on what it was I was actually going to make. And I went through quite a few iterations of of the thing. Um, and then I decided I had gone through various things that I liked and didn't like. And then I decided what I wanted to make um, or who I wanted to make it for. And I wanted to make it for, and I'll send you this, both of you this link now, uh, an organization called ice out of LA. Um, and they are an organization who, uh, are working to get ice out of LA. Uh, 
there are different organizations like grassroots organizations, civil rights organizations, et cetera, um, who are opposing deportations and criminalization of immigrants in Los Angeles. Um, and they do lots of really cool, interesting things, uh, sort of different tactics and stuff to uh, highlight um, the the work, the bad work, ICE, in my opinion, ICE is doing in Los Angeles. Um, so I was like, oh, it would be cool to make a flag for them because they are very visible in Los Angeles. And uh, I thought that the ice component could be an interesting kind of visual thing. Um, and so I, and I, I sort of asked around and I know someone who does some work sort of peripherally with ice out of LA. Um, but I haven't spoken with them yet, but I was like, I'll make a flag for ice out of LA. And then, and then you have some sort of classic designer problems of like, well, what do I, what is it? What should it look like? Like, you know, um, so I started digging into lots of flag making, uh, things uh, there is a uh, there are flag enthusiasts uh, called uh, Vexilologic Vexil Vexil oh shoot Vexil. There yeah, wasn't there a ninety nine percent visible. Yeah, yeah. There is a really it's really good. Really yeah, really. yeah. Um, I think Roman Mars. Yeah, he was talking about uh, city flags and sort of how bad most city flags are um, because they're sort of overly visually complicated and tends to have lots of words on them and stuff. And I took that, I rewatched that, or I re, um, there's, it's also a Ted talk, but I, so I watched the Ted talk, um, on that. And it was actually really useful to sort of frame thinking about what a flag is and how it functions. So the vexillogicalists, shoot, I can't pronounce that. They have an amazing flag and their flag is the sheep bend knot. It's a really nice, beautiful knot. Um, and the reason that's their flag is the sheet bend is the knot that's typically used to tie cloth to rope. So it is the thing that attaches the flag to the flag line, to the flagpole. Um, and I thought that was really important because many flags are not literal, right? Like they didn't make a flag that was like a heart emoji and then a flag. Like we love flags. It's like, um, it's more sort of arty. And meta, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I decided to make a flag for Ice Out of LA. And then I I wanted, though, a focus group to take a look at some of my designs <laughs> and um, listen to me talk about them and vote on them. And so I had, I was with Jen's family over the weekend, and I I asked them to vote on the flags I did. And then I remade another set of flags after they voted and then they got to vote a second time on those. And I did end up making the winner. And you can see a photo of the winner. And that might be good for someone else to describe. The experienced designer rears his head. Well, it's um, it's a rectangular flag with yep. a the top uh, large stripe, maybe a little bit more than a quarter of the top is orange. Yep. And the... Um, the bottom part is blue with a square, like a white square, like an ice cube. Yep. Um, in the center of the Thank you blue, for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the blue larger stripe. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I guess if I were to, okay, now I'm starting to read into it, but like 
maybe the orange stripe is like a sunset and the blue is like the ocean up, you know, by LA or, or the blue represents LA or I don't know. No, that, that, that wouldn't make sense if it was ice out of LA. So it's maybe throwing the ice cube into the ocean. I don't know. <laughs> this is the part that's confusing me. Yeah, I think in this particular one, the majority of the flag is a field of blue, and the ice is still squarely contained in that area. And so it, it does it does make me give me pause when I'm trying to figure out, like once I know the answer mm-hmm. that it's a flag for ice of out of L.A., it's the out of that I get tripped up on mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, or maybe that's the thing, is that ice is in L.A., and then, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, I, yeah, I, I want to hear Rob's yeah, perspective on this. Yeah, yeah. Violet, I owe you the fanciest dinner I can afford. You totally nailed it. You ha- like you pretty much like checked off all the boxes of my thinking in a lot of ways. Um, oh, yeah. So I went to the fabric store, and I was like, I want some ripstop nylon. What colors do they have? And so I selected... Um, orange, blue, white. Uh, I think I also got black. And I was like, I can work with these. And then I started to sort of, I hadn't gone to the Ice Out of LA site yet. And then I was like, oh, they're using orange and blue and white. So that's really good. (laughs) So I have those colors. Mm -hmm. And I had already sort of gotten to this thing where I wanted to use orange as the sun. as a sort of LA classic kind of skyline moment. And then the blue to signify water sort of the the melting of the ice of sort of the sort of transformation of mm-hmm. the ice into its back and into a different state uh, of water and water is certainly you know LA being a coastal town there's a certainly a relationship to water there so um and it was the colors they use on their site so i decided to work with that color palette i also had black in the color palette as well but this design didn't have that um and yeah, that's exactly. So I, I just sort of worked through all these ones. I had sort of one that did have a kind of Ghostbuster sign through the ice cube. Taylor, to your point about like, how do you, the out of part is kind of critical, right? Like, like, uh, but I didn't, that one got some votes. It didn't, that one was on a, was on a black field. So it was mostly a black flag with a sort of um, white cube with a black line through it. And people really liked that because it was very visually um intense but um that's kind of like the anti-fascist thing picking up the fascist yeah right right i also ran into a weird thing where a lot of the blue white and black design started to map to like blue lives matter uh Mm -hmm. symbology which i didn't Mm -hmm. like and so i was like oh so so i got into that and then i was like i did rewatch then again the roman mars thing on flag making and sort of wanted to think about how flags function and just sort of wanted to make sure that I was kind of abstracting at the right level and not, but, but that's where I ended up. So the ice out of LA people don't know that this flag exists. Um, I have emailed them and I haven't heard back uh, to sort of see what they say. So they may be like, Hey, great. Thanks. But no thanks. But I would really like them to at least see it and um, see what they think. Or I don't know. And it could end up being that I, it would be nice to, get somewhere with it. So I kind of want to talk to them and if they have thoughts about it or something, maybe the design will get modified and I'll make another one to, for them to sort of see how it goes. So, but it was fun. And, um, Violet, to your point, it was, I, I'm not a great, um, sewer, but I, I like sewing, 
But it was really interesting working with a nylon because it's a very flowy material, probably similar to yours. And it was just working with it is a very like you get a sense of sort of how the flag will fly and the different kind of undulating it will do and stuff. And that definitely sort of cued for me, like you want to keep the design simple to a point. Otherwise, like while it's flapping around, no one will know what it is. You know, and we we talked about that in your project as well. Uh, so that was, it was interesting. That we had that same experience of like kind of um, legibility, right? In the sort of ecosystem of the flag and it flapping around and stuff. Right. And it's interesting too. see yours and, uh, reads the same from right or left. Right. And, and that was something else. Like when I think it was you Taylor saying, I think I'm going to read this from the right to the left. Does that feel right? And that, and that's what I ended up needing to do is I made it that way. Cause I knew the way the wind was going to go and that it was going to fall apart at the, at the end. And, um, but you solved that problem by, you know, making it, you know, reversible or sort of, I, I found that the whole flag making thing seemed to really flex the dyslexic muscles, mm. you know, in terms mm. of like looking at that as a super ability. And, um, there's also something too about this flag as I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the image of you holding it up uh-huh. and, uh, of this sort of, it also references, you know, the color field work and the, the color, uh, sort of the LA school, of painting. And I mean, there's some qualities to it um, that I I don't know. I just find that interesting too, Mm. just Mm -hmm. because of the, the shapes and the colors, you know, maybe that's just a, a a side effect, but, um, but there's something, there's something very, very pleasing about it, about the, the colors, the shapes, the, the composition. Um, but I like this idea that you know that the ice cube and the water are the same, but in different in different states. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was trying to come up with some way of like speaking to the transformation, you know, through yeah. heat or sort of through Los Angeles that I the ice can be dissipated somehow. Um, right. And, and because because of that, I'm really craving that the uh, the white rectangle that represents the ice were to lay astride both the orange and the blue because then to me that speaks to that um, transition uh-huh. between one yep. and the other. Yep. So well, that's yeah, something to keep in yeah, mind. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. And also there's something about just that sheer emptiness of the white cube. Like there's nothing here. You know, there isn't yeah. like this is this isn't something to aspire to. This isn't something you know, so there's something about that too, about that sort of the blankness. Yeah, I wanted that. it to feel alone, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. it does. It, yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. Um, your whole process with the focus group and the iterations, and maybe it'll even go through another one when you take it to to the group and see what what they think. I saw of LA, uh, LA, see what they think about it. Just that process. Um, I just I like that a lot. One of the things that was interesting in the Roman Mars presentation about city flags is how often a flag is this process of of group decision making or kind of bureaucracy's uh, uh, relationship to design, you know, and how many city flags have this very literal like representation going on because people sort of dissect the they sort of tear the abstraction out of it to this point of like 
well, we'll put a steamship on there and it will say Milwaukee, you know, or whatever. Like, like they just make it so literal because people just can, it's easy to nitpick abstraction, you know, out of something. And so I kind of wanted to subject myself to that. Um, And so Jen's family was a good sort of first pass uh, at that. So it'll be interesting to see sort of if I talk to some folks at ICE out of LA, what, what they'll do. But but it, and but but it was a good like crash course in me and like okay I need to be able to defend this design also because it it took me forever because sewing is hard for me and also sewing nylon is it was tough and so um, yeah. it was uh, something I I really was like I want to I really want to have to make this thing you know if I'm going to make it like I really want to do it because <laughs> it's going to take some time I'm lo- I looked at your videos of of sewing oh and, yeah cool. Uh, I loved I loved those, and I I took a picture of sewing my while I was sewing my flag. It was actually really hard to take pic, just a picture of sewing, much less a video. So I'm very impressed yes. that you that you did that. Um, uh, I mean, we, you and I both we 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 like like the act of sewing, but it's also a struggle. It's never easy. Totally. It's always harder than you think it's going to be. Plus, you didn't pin anything, man. I, I did pin um i pinned the white square i didn't pin the edges nylon is so hard to pin because it just doesn't want to behave you know yeah. and i got freaked out about trying to iron the seam and crease into it like i don't i just like ugh. so I, I i kind of tried to freehand it i think it looks great oh thanks yeah it came out pretty good there's some some places that are a little bit weird but i was i realized the videos didn't mean anything that's kind of why i was trying to be insistent about y'all skipping them because i was i really shot them because i was happy about sewing like then it was like it's not a critical part of of understanding the piece you know but i was just like i sewed something check it out (laughs) so that's kind of why i uploaded them instead of it being a critical part of the story or whatever but but i think that circles back to our conversation at the very beginning about just the the act of making you know that joy that joy Mm -hmm. like you had so much joy sewing you, you wanted to document not just like it's not enough to document what you made, but th- but the process of it totally, like, actually. Yeah. And when I watched those videos of sewing, especially like the zigzag, when I got the second one and it was the zigzag, I'm like, oh, the zigzag. You know, yeah. I mean, there is <laughs> there's just something so um, so wonderful about that kind of like some kind of weird little sewing euphoria. It's yeah, nice. yeah. It's kind of sewing machine porn, I felt like, when I was shooting it. Is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In this uh, great kind of maker way, where, like you're saying, well, these videos aren't a point of it, except that in a way, this whole podcast challenge is about the process of it, totally. right? Yeah. So, yep. uh, so, I don't know, you're, you're your own checker to the key, I guess. <laughs> Violet, are you ready to give us the next challenge? Oh my! Oh my okay, let me. Um, I've got. Fi- I narrowed it. I narrowed it down to five. And, okay. Um, should Should I read them, or should you just look at them and choose? Maybe each of you should. Oh, read them, dude! It's there. Yeah, it's really a hundred percent your decision. So we're we're gonna do everything oh, we no. can to cajole you into picking one. Okay, mm-hmm. cajole away. Um, so the list is in reverse. Breaking the Formula, Dance Poem, Beyond Binary, Transdisciplinary. Wow. 
And so which one did you pick? Then? <laughs> no, you, you two are picking. You're, well, you, you each can pick one and then we'll then I'll break the tie. I feel like if I pick it, I'm going to pick something that, you know, whether consciously or not, I want to do or that feels less challenging right, or whatever. Right. So I'm, I'm really going to stay out of this. Do you think we picked stand-up comedy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm leaning towards in reverse or dance poem. Those are the two. I'm like, okay, so I just narrowed it from five to two. Okay. Uh-huh. Now you guys choose. We're, li- we're listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't make me do this. I feel like I'm. I feel like you should choose. So the first one is in reverse. Is that right? The second one is dance poem. Is that right? Well, those are, I like and narrowed it down. Technically, yeah. the second one is breaking the formula, but yeah. I narrowed but the, it down. To, yeah, the two that yeah. speak to you the loudest are, are in reverse and dance poem. Yeah. Um, is there one of those two that you feel like we, Taylor and I and our guests, would benefit from thinking on and making? Like, like Yeah, if I could underscore this rib, I feel like... I'm more comfortable with in reverse. <laughs> and now, Violet, it's up to you to decide if you want to make us comfortable or uncomfortable. Like what, what you think is the most valuable thing to do. Well, it's interesting because I, uh, well, partly I put dance poem on there is because I know some dance poets. And I did, I, interestingly, mm-hmm. I don't, that's something that I don't really fully understand what that means Uh and once i was in a workshop Mm -hmm. and they said now we're going to do a dance poem and i still couldn't tell you like exactly how that works i think it to me it me it could mean any number of things um and partly i put it on the list because it would be i i i've noticed that the challenge sometimes are things that um the guest folks are interested in themselves or, and mm-hmm. I like this idea of how they might come back. Like Arturo might come back and look at our flags. Yep. And, um, yep. Mm-hmm. and you know, I went and looked at his website and his flags after I'd made my flag. I'm glad I did it afterwards. And I was yeah. like, wow. Um, so I, th- I think each of these are asking different questions. Um, I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to split the difference and and I'm going to say it's in reverse slash dance poem. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to just ramp it up just a touch there. I, right. I can That's, I can I yeah cool. Can, can you work with that? Sure yeah yeah yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob. We should do the biz. What yeah. Is there any um, links, Violet, or or things that you tools that you've used anything like that that uh, have been inspiring you, motivating you, uh, or that you would just simply like to share? Uh, I I could share the links to the um, those big monster markers and the high flow liquid acrylics. Those were really oh, yeah. for me. What really was the name of those again? It's Montana Empty Markers. This okay. two inch. There's I think there's other brands too. Um, that uh, Molotov might do then as well. And then there's there's multiple brands of the high-flow liquid acrylics. Are they like at, at an art supply store or where would a person Yeah, both of those are art supply. The, the Montana, the, those big two-inch markers, they're going to be locked down a tight. Yeah, because those are... Yeah, no bet, you, yeah. You, you need help to get into those cabinets. Um, but uh-huh. they're, 
they're awesome. And they do come with some ready-made colors, like black and white, and maybe gold. Um, you know, graffiti colors, good graffiti colors. Uh, but then you can mix your own. Cool. Taylor, do you have anything? And then I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I have to. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I originally was planning to say uh, that I'm reading and everybody should read Conflict, Conflict Resolution for Holy Beings by Joy Harjo. And then when I listened to Arto's podcast with you, he said that. So I'm just going to say, if oh, you have Wow. <laughs> a double yeah. down. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. If we say it once every two weeks, then eventually everyone, everyone will read it. it. Conflict Resolution for Holy Beings. That's awesome. Taylor, do you have anything? Uh, not really, man. I mean, for me, it's it's going to be all of the various little apps like uh, HexFiend and Image Glitch and so forth that I I rolled through trying to get this done. But um, yeah, I'll just also be posting the sort of uh, description of all the steps that I undertook to get very close to that uh, smearing effect, and just and and just couldn't complete in the two weeks awesome. time. There is another thing. I guess this will be more of an upcoming uh-huh. thing, but I've I've been getting really excited about um, casting with lead-free pewter, oh. uh, which is known as Britannia metal, which has this really sort of role-playing uh, <laughs> sound to it. But the <laughs> now you can get pewter, which melts at a really low temperature, that includes no lead. I think for about twenty bucks a pound. And I was just reading this uh, Reddit post about making a negative 3D print on a resin printer and then just printing Britannia metal straight into the um, 3D print, thus destroying it. But then you get a really high resolution uh, metal part out of it. So that's something I'm looking forward to checking out. Britannia metal. It does sound like, yeah, it sounds like uh, you should put that in your your bag of holding. (laughs) We're looking forward to pictures with you with your pinky out drinking tea the britannia uh, <laughs> uh oh yes i i really had to work there. <laughs> we, we have we have a whole yes, steampunk punk fantasy built around this britannia metal britannia metal that's right so you know i i know we we have to bring your episode to a conclusion but i was just listening to i'll have to find the podcast but um supposedly somebody was asking about why you know where the pinky thing came oh. from rob do you know where that where the pinky no thing clue. came from supposedly and i will be devastated if this turns out to be apocryphal but it comes from the uh like british or french court or something where uh sexually transmitted diseases ran rampant and so if you were currently under the uh you know the spell of an std and uh, somebody was, uh, you know, like uh, raising their eyebrows at you over tea at court. You would extend your pinky to say, "I'm off the market right oh now." Oh my gosh! I'm... Yeah, I re- I really hope that's wow. true because it's incredible. Yeah. But it, I'll, I'll see if I can find okay, the link to that. To yeah, we should just. That's like some great fake news, even if it's not true. We should just make it true. <laughs> it's true in our minds. Yeah, it's true enough. Yeah, I have two quick things. One is. There's a group called Astronomers Without Borders that seems like they're doing really neat stuff. And I learned about them because they're collecting eclipse glasses uh, to ship mm-hmm. to other countries um, so people can see uh, the eclipse when it happens in different places around the world, which I thought was a really neat project. Um, and then the second thing, I'll put a, post a link to them in the show notes. And the second thing is a podcast. Um, 
by Chicago sound artist and performer Neil Jinden uh, called One Electronic Sound for Five Minutes. And it's a really great, quirky podcast that's five minutes long and it's one electronic sound and it's all all sorts of stuff and so um i really encourage you to check it out it's like in a way it's like for me it's like what i i hope that the podcasting ecosystem can kind of embrace is these more sort of erratic short bursts of weirdness you know that you could sort of have this podcast um app that's just full of weird stuff like all woven throughout it and isn't just you know hours of people talking like we do but um anyway i was really inspired it made me think about podcasting kind of differently after i listened to a few episodes so one electronic sound for five minutes by neil jensen it's great yes uh i think we're in the wrap-up phase um you can find pictures and videos and weird gifts of our projects at projects.opposablepodcast.com courtesy of the work of taylor hokinson so thank you taylor for rocking those out um we would like to send you an opposable thumb sticker so if you share a podcast episode on social media or rate us on itunes or whatever uh we'll send you a sticker so just um shoot us uh, your mailing address and we'll drop you one in the mail um even if you trash us yeah yeah one one star is totally fine we don't care (laughs) <laughs> we're never going to be an <laughs> iTunes ranking of anything ever. We don't care, but it would be nice if you rated us or in particular shared it with someone who you think it was cool. Uh, oh, our um, logo is created by the artist Wolf Mask. Um, you can check out his work at wolfmaskart.co.uk. We'd like to give a shout out to Nick as our top Patreon supporter. Thank you, Nick. Uh, if you'd like to join Nick in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Um, we do have a code of conduct. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. And speaking of that, if you are doing cool stuff, we want to hear about it. So please uh, shoot us some listener feedback. Uh, Thanks to Neil and Danny, both for the nice notes this week. Uh, And thanks for listening to Opposable Thumbs. We're psyched to have you all on board. And it was really great to get notes from both of them, just saying that they like the podcast. Um, A quick update. Um, This is a sort of of the chocolate and peanut butter of Opposable Thumbs in action. Uh, Federico Tabone, who we had on episode eight, is the latest guest on the Root Simple podcast. (laughs) Um, Kelly and Eric of Root Simple were our guests on episode 10. So it's like our guests from episode 10 and our guests from episode eight um, got together. And uh, Federico shares a lot of really cool details on his latest um, cordless drill uh, driven animated booklet that sort of set the internet on fire a couple weeks back. Um, And so you should totally tune into the Root Simple podcast and hear more about uh, his stuff he goes into a lot more detail about some of the cool stuff he's doing um, and also the crazy uh, sewed up bee bag that he made to transport um, a beehive through an apartment building. (laughs) So uh, if you go to rootsimple.com, you can check that out. Violet, thank you for being on our podcast. Oh, it was such a blast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, thanks for the time. It's really good. Um, Do you have any projects coming up or shows or anything that you want to share with the world? I'll be doing a performance piece um, as for the Thinking Its Presence conference at cool. uh, the Poetry Center in Tucson. 
in October. And um, that's coming up. Cool. Yeah, it's coming up. I'll send you the link. And it's Great. a really interesting conference. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. Okay. In reverse dance poetry. Is that dance, right? Po- mm-hmm. uh, in reverse dance poem. In reverse dance poem. Thank you, Violet. All right. Um, I look forward to seeing them. Yeah. In two weeks, you will see <laughs> yeah, you and me the both. results of in reverse dance poem. Yes. <laughs> I look forward to it. Is this a family show? That's that's a question. It's a well, it depends on the kind of family. Yeah. <laughs>